This is Neon Radio, episode 120, with record producer and DJ Jonas Blue. Welcome to Neon Radio. I'm your host, Nick Onkin, fashion and lifestyle photographer for today's top brands, performers, and game changers. On this podcast, we explore the body, mind, and soul of the creative entrepreneur, bringing you inspiring guests to help take your creativity, business, and life to the next level. Well, hello, hello, Neonites. Welcome to this week's episode of Neon Radio. I'm your host, Nick Onkin, and I'm excited to bring to you today's guest because he is a major recording artist out in the UK, Jonas Blue. He is known for the Tropical House cover of Tracy Chapman's Fast Car single, which I'm sure you heard came out in 2016, but it hit the tops of the charts. And stay tuned. He is coming out with a new record here in the next coming days and this month, I believe. He also hit double platinum in Australia with his other single, Perfect Strangers. We'll have all this linked up in the show notes over at neonradio.com slash EP120. We did a photo shoot and interview while he was here in New York City a few weeks ago. And we'll have those in the show notes as well. If you're new to this podcast, don't forget to check out the Neon community over at neonlife.com slash community. That's N-I-O-N-L-I-F-E dot com slash community. And join other creatives. Get to post your thoughts, inspiration, work, collaborate with others, and connect with other creatives of a similar mindset. So jump into that. Uh, We are looking forward to seeing you there. On this episode, we learn about Jonas's story, how he got started, what his creative process looks like going into the studio and creating a song, how he goes with the flow and really feels the song out until it's done. And if he's working on something and it's not feeling it, he'll scrap it and move on to something else. He's got to feel right about it. Many, many other things. We learn how he started out making money. We learn how he got his start and what he's looking forward to. We also learn where the name Jonas Blue came from, which is a fun little fact. Without further ado, I give you the one, the only, Mr. Jonas Blue. What is up, everyone? Today, we've got Jonas Blue in his, well, New York hotel room. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming on. I'm excited to chat with you today, and we're about to get out and do a photo shoot. Yes. In the freezing cold New York City here. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So, (laughs) you are a superstar DJ, music producer, songwriter, and creative. And this podcast is about creativity, so I want to kind of dive into... You know, let's get a, a kind of a story of where you're you're from and how you got into music production and songwriting and and uh, get a little background there. Sure. So I started out as a musician when I was seven eight years old. Um, I started off playing flute, uh, which I loved and uh, did all my grades on. That gave me a, a kind of great background in, in musical theory. Mm. So I, I had that background already. Um, and then by the time I got to high school, around the 
11, 12 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, playing a musical instrument was really uncool. So, really? Yeah, yeah, it was. And my friends made it really clear that it was uncool <laughs> oh, as well. No. So uh, the next best thing was to basically be a DJ. And I, around that time, my, my, my cousin, what he used to do is, in, in the UK, we have MCs as well. And uh, my cousin used to go to his friend's house pretty much every weekend and would just MC to a load of like UK garage music. And I remember I, I, I first, I went there to like pick him up with my auntie and I saw him and all his friends just surrounded um, around these decks. And um, that was it. It was like a, it was a moment kind of clicked for me right there. And I knew exactly what I wanted to do. Amazing. Um, and around that same time, um, in the UK, on TV, there was a program called Club 18 to 30 Reps. Mm. And what that was about was the really bad side of Ibiza. So a lot of English people getting drunk, yeah, passing out on the streets, that kind of stuff, which I never really paid much attention to. The, the stuff that I used to pay attention to in, in that program was seeing DJs like Cole Cox, David Morales, even David Guetta, um, just all in the early years and what Ibiza mm. was really about. So yeah, around that whole time, it was kind of seeing my cousin and his friends and what they were doing and then watching this program. And then with this program, you had this amazing soundtrack of house music. And I was just like, that is what I want to do. That I, about a year into that, into just DJ, and I got my kind of first pair of decks. Mm. And um, about a year into that, I realized that, why am I playing other people's music? Mm. Um, and didn't really see the point. And I, I, it wasn't kind of special enough to me. And I wanted to actually kind of, I didn't know what it meant. I didn't know it meant being a music producer or anything like that. Yeah. I just wanted to make cool beats Absolutely. at the time, uh, which is kind of very much a hip hop mentality just to kind of make <laughs> beats, which is, uh, uh, yeah, which is what I kind of started out doing. I would just kind of, sample loads of cool house records yeah and uh, and um and and kind of at that time it was just kind of putting stuff on a loop around so this is all around the same age of kind of being you know this creative sponge around 11 12 years old 12 years old a cereal that i used to eat called cocoa pops Ooh, yeah really good um (laughs) they um they used to give away prizes in 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 the um in the packets and basically what happened was is is one of the times in in that serial they had a program on a CD that they were giving away called EJ. Mm. Now EJ was a great program for me at that time because the beats in it were already pre-made. It was like a free trial of this program and what it was you'd have to kind of the blocks were already there of music so yeah. you'd have like hip hop trance <laughs> it was so standard. But you'd, it would all be pre-made, but you'd have to arrange it. Mm-hmm. And at the time, again, I didn't know what any of this meant. I was just doing it because it was fun. But when I look back now about how instrumental that was in what I do now, because it was it was how to arrange songs. Mm. Um, so with that free bit of software that I got in a box of cereal, I started arranging pre-made music. But that gave me a great introduction into arrangement and how to make the best possible arrangement out of the music that was already there. And then literally from that day, I've been into music production. So that was all around the age of 11, 12. And I've 
I'm 27 now. I've been doing it every day. Wow, 11 or 12. Yeah. That's that's amazing. It was a great time. Yeah. So let's let's jump back a little bit and um, kind of figure out. You know, I want to hear. How, so when you started at 11 or 12. Yeah. I mean, were you making money at this time? I mean, you're probably living with your parents and yeah. and kind of just learning how to play around and figure it out. Yeah, money. What what was money? What was money at that, was money? that age? Yeah, <laughs> I, I didn't really... To be honest, I didn't really do anything. It was just, I was more the kind of... I just... I, I wasn't that person kind of going out and spending money in terms of... I wasn't that kid who would go, you know, doing do sports things that would cost money every week. I was just more the the kind of kid who loved girls, yeah, and uh, just wanted just wanted to kind of sit in front of a computer and make cool beats. That was pretty <laughs> much me. So my lifestyle was not really that expensive. Yeah, it was just kind of using that free bit of software. Yeah. So at what point did you kind of move on and start making money and were you out spinning and, and doing gigs and things like that? I was very lucky that everyone's kind of asked me, how did you make money, you know, to survive yeah. really? And I was very, very lucky in terms of my jobs have always been within music. I've always managed to make money from music. Yeah. Uh, and it started out at 11 years old when I got my decks, I would DJ friends birthday parties. And I would obviously charge them money. I think my first gig was like 50 pounds, which was great. <laughs> yeah. You know? uh, I never forget it because everything, um, everything uh, <laughs> blew on the night uh, yeah. in terms of amps and speakers. Oh, no. I, I was using my dad's hi-fi wow. um, and it all blew. So again, great experiences because, you know, it set me up for, you know, what could possibly happen on these gigs. Yeah. So um it definitely prepared me but um yeah i would just kind of i'd go out and dj for friends birthday parties weddings bar mitzvahs yeah that was my thing i was that dj which i loved and then it was probably around the age of 15 16 i got a job at a record shop mm. um and that changed everything for me in terms of um the new music i was hearing i was always i was always house music yeah um um, and in terms of what I would buy, mm -hmm. um, but my mom and dad were always kind of soul funk jazz. Um, my dad had like the, the craziest collection of soul and funk mm. and Latin jazz and, um, Middle Eastern music. Yeah. And again, that kind of very much inspired me into what I do today. But yeah, I, I worked in a record shop and I started, you know, buying records from distributors all around the world and yeah. selling them to people who came in the store. So again, I had a, I had a job working in a record shop. Um, so from kind of doing parties, yeah. friends, I then worked in a record shop from the record shop. I then, um, got, um, I met someone at the record shop who got me uh, a residency at a local bar. Mm -hmm. So that was when I was 16 Wow. my first residency at a local bar and it was like all you know 20 year olds and people who could who could who should actually be in there not right me. right um but yeah i was always hanging around with older people so i got the job there and um, i was resident there for quite a few years and again that was great and then probably about four years into that yeah but Actually, do you know what? I was probably 18, 19. I got a job at um, DJing at a bar in the mm. city of London. 
and that again paid my way so i've always been within music i've never i'm very very lucky i've never had to have that kind of office job where i've yeah hated my career everything has been kind of instrumental in helping me where i'm at today yeah absolutely and it seems like that's you immerse yourself within that yeah and that's kind of helped you surround your you surrounding yourself in in that world has given you all the tools that you've definitely needed. Definitely. I mean, at such a young age, I mean, sixteen. That's amazing. Oh yeah, it was. I was very lucky that I had good people around me to, you know, be friends with and show me the way. And yeah, absolutely, yeah, it was great absolutely. times. Who was the most influential person in your life growing up? Uh, my dad, definitely my dad, because um, just musically. Yeah. Um, and uh, my dad always had this thing of always tapping on the tables. Uh, my dad uh, kind of started out being a drummer when he was younger and was always kind of tapping on tables, kind of like picking up those rhythms and just the music that he played around the house. I've still got old cassettes of wow. his. Yeah. And just it, he's the dude for for the real collection, man. Amazing. Yeah. Wait, was he a musician full time or was he? None of my family were musicians or in the music business. They just loved music. Yeah. I'm the one who got sucked in. <laughs> <laughs> sounds, sounds like they supported you quite a bit though. Yeah. I, I think um, I was, I was by no way the best kid. I, I dropped out of school. Oh, wow. At a very early age. I dropped out when I was 15 years old. No kidding. I didn't do any, what we call in the UK, GCSEs. I didn't do any of that. Yeah. I actually dropped out before. And that kind of started because I was on the programs, on the computer. Mm. And even back then, I would be up till three in the morning, four in the morning. And then to try and get up for school at seven o'clock or eight o'clock. Wow. It was never happening. Uh, I still can't get up today. So it was <laughs> it was definitely not happening back then. And um, yeah, it was just kind of, I knew what I wanted to do and I'm a Leo as well. So yeah, when I, I kind of, yeah, when you, when you, when you got your heart set on something, you go for it. So me being the kind of person that I am, I, I have a lot of drive and a, and a lot of willpower and I will stick to something and I will get it done and um absolutely back then i knew exactly what i wanted to do and i think more so for my mum it was quite hard um because she obviously wanted me to go to school and you know your parents can get in trouble if you don't go to school um but i just i didn't want to go i didn't want to do it and i didn't um and unfortunately they didn't have much of a say because i just wouldn't go (laughs) it wouldn't even be like i like i'd go to school and bunk off i just wouldn't go yeah yeah i'd stay on the computer and at that time i was making contacts in you know over here in the us people who i still talk to today and and do business with so yeah very important times and you know not i'm not saying that's the way people should do it but it's the way that worked for me and you have to be that kind of person that you will get a lot of knockbacks in this industry so you better you better be ready if you're uh, if you're going to go down that route of uh, yeah you know, DIY. You got to go hard. Oh yeah, for sure. So yeah. But motivation is is to like self motivation. I think is the biggest part of making it as an artist. Definitely. And I mean, it sounds like you definitely have that. And if you yeah, you have to have to have that. Any any life philosophies that you have lived with and that you you'd want to share. I think even more so now the the position that I'm in where we've sold millions of records and we've done billions of streams and things like that, I'm still not phased by that mm. because um, 
it's all about the music. You know, it, this lifestyle's great and you can buy amazing clothes and you yeah. can do all that, but don't get it twisted. It's still about the music. No one cares about all that. You know, you still got to make great music. And I'm still that 16 year old, 12 year old even, uh, sitting in front of the computer. Yeah. Like it's my first time and still as hungry for it. So mm. have that mentality. Don't be in this business for the money because it will last <laughs> a very short time. Um, you know, I firmly believe that. I'm going to be around in in this in this business and this passion for a long time because I love music and I love what I do and it's you know I live eat and breathe it. Absolutely. Yeah. Got to love the craft. Yeah, man. And the hustle. And the hustle. Absolutely. Every day. <laughs> Every day. Every day. Yeah. So let's uh, jump back and, and you know when you started learning how to use how to compose the music yeah. and using the tools, how long did it take you to actually get proficient enough to start? To the point where you're playing your own music in a, in say, a club or a DJ setting. Um, I had my first record signed to an independent label when I was 15 years old. Mm -hmm. So it took from the age of 11, 12 to the age of 15 that I had my first professional record out there. It's amazing. Yeah, and it was great. I got, I think I got a thousand pounds. It was great. Yeah, I bought loads of equipment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, I went out and brought loads of new, new, uh, new gear, but, um, yeah, that was my first. So it was, it was a few years. I, I, the good thing is, is that I knew I had quality control. Yeah. So I could have released stuff a lot earlier. Yeah. I knew it wasn't good enough. I would listen to the one thing that I always used to do is, does it sound like the records that are on radio? Mm -hmm. Is it as good as, you know, does it, do the beats hit hard enough like they yeah. do on radio? And if it didn't, then I, w I, w I would know that. And I obviously knew I wasn't ready. So yeah, I waited until I was 15, 16. I had a record that was quite a big hit in, in like South Africa. It was, so yeah, it was um, great times. Cool. But yeah, that was my first kind of record. Amazing, yeah. amazing. So now when you're sitting down to create a song, uh, yeah. let's start with the song, because you know, what is it, what does your creative process look like? You know, how do you, how do you, where you get inspired and then how do you kind of start tracking it and building, building the song? Yeah, very different to how I started out making music. Um, mm. It's gone kind of more so now back to the very classic way. So rather than when I started out, I would just find some cool beats and I'd sample them off record and go from there. I actually don't start at the computer at all. Um, I really? start, Yeah, I start at the piano. Oh, wow. Because uh, I play piano. So um, yeah, I stopped playing flute a long time ago <laughs> and, and went on to the piano. Um, so... With all of my songs now, they all start with me at the piano. I don't even look at the computer. That's amazing. And I work out kind of the best chord progressions and, and melody. I'm very, I'm very kind of drawn to melody. Mm -hmm. um, so I'll be in the room with, maybe it's just myself, maybe it'll be a couple of songwriters and it would always be, you know, they'd be like, yeah. what have you got? You're like play us something. I'm like, well, I'll go over to the piano and I'll play you something. But I don't, I never go into sessions with pre-made tracks ever mm. i think for me more so because i get bored very easily yeah so even if even if the track um that i had made a week prior to that session was banging and i loved it and it was you know it was a hit yeah it would bore me to death right into it in a session for me i i kind of um strive and kind of live off that spark of energy so mm. it's always what i feel in that moment and i have to be hyped about the track in that moment so um, not to say that I haven't written that way, yeah. but, um, yeah, it's always kind of me sitting at the piano, working out cool, 
cool progression or melody um, and building it from there. Amazing. Yeah. So when you're now, when you're in the studio and you're building the track, how long, like when do you start kind of refining it and then call it, call it done? Um, it's, it's very hard these days for me to, to kind of be in a session, work on a track and then work on it straight after once those people have left. Mm. It doesn't because of the way things are now. Yeah. And there's record labels involved and there's a lot more people involved. Things that have to be a bit more structured, which is great because I come from that background of, uh, I know a lot of artists and producers can't work in a structured way. Mm-hmm. But I come from a background where I, I can work that way. And it's like, if I'm, you know, if I go into a session and we've made a new song, but I still need to finish an old one, I'll say like six o'clock comes or 10 o'clock comes or whatever. I'll be like, cool guys, we've got the song done. And then I'll go back to that old song and uh and and get it finished amazing yeah it's 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 hard but um you know at the end of the day it's um i i kind of work well to structure and yeah and organize no, I, have structure. O- I have ocd as well so like, yeah. <laughs> sometimes structure helps it helps you helps give you deadline and yeah exactly otherwise you know you're just going to be one of them guys who just has a million songs sitting on his computer and never finished <laughs> yeah so, yeah how many how big is the collaboration when you're usually working on these songs with the label and and everything like is it how many people are involved in in the arrangements in terms of the in terms of in terms of what in terms of making the song or yeah actually producing the song not necessarily the, the oh producing the song is just me stuff, but yeah just you yeah okay. yeah producing the song is just me um songwriting generally me and someone else i love co-writing so it'd be me someone else or maybe two people mm-hmm. I'm really not precious about that. For me, it's kind of whatever it takes to get the song done. Yeah. Um, being in LA, I have worked with a couple of producers as well, and we've got some stuff going, which is great as well. You know, because I'm, I'm open to that. I yeah. think um, you know whatever it takes to to get the song done. Um, Absolutely. Sometimes you know it can't all be about you. Um, so yeah, whatever it takes. Love that. Love yeah. that. Now, how did uh, let's jump into the, wait, the like fast cars? How did where did the inspiration for that come from, and how did how what's the story behind that? So originally, fast car came about because it was my mum's favorite song when I was a baby. So uh-huh. <laughs> that's kind of where it started out. Yeah. Um, and for years, I mean, for years, I'd wanted to kind of remake it and do a new version for my <laughs> DJ sets. But Fast Car to me is probably like a Beatles song for most other people. It's like one of them ones, it's sacred. You do not touch it <laughs> unless you are very sure. Yeah. Um, so for years I'd wanted to do it and, and working in a record shop, I'd seen loads of bootlegs come in of people just taking the originals, speeding it up to 125 or whatever and and uh, putting some lame beats behind it. Yeah. And that was never how I kind of envisioned Fast Car should, should be. Um, so for years I'd wanted to do it and August 2015 I went to Ibiza mm-hmm. um, very inspired and I met one of our mutual friends Scooter Braun yes um, in Ibiza um, which was cool and um, I actually said to him uh, he was there with Oliver Heldens and Martin, I think Martin Garrix was playing a show there the day beforehand and he was it's a really cool night in in Ishwar. I'm sorry, I'm slightly uh, going off going off path here, but um, yeah, we were at a, a gig called Ants, which which is massive in in, in Ibiza, Ishwar. Um, and 
I met Scooter there and I very drunkenly went up to him <laughs> and said, because um, I'm a massive fan, massive fan of Scooter. And uh, I, I said to him that one day I'll be up there um, very confidently, which I was never sure. Yeah. And this was prior, this was before Jonas Blue was born. Ah. Was, yeah. So this was just me on a kind of win. <laughs> uh, just saying yeah I'm going to be up there and um, I came back from Ibiza and um, very much inspired by um, you know me meeting Scooter <laughs> and he, he was great he just gave me some really cool advice um, and um, actually just spoke to me yeah that was the cool thing yeah. and actually acknowledged me so that was cool that gave me a it's amazing a, a bit of hope yeah and then yeah I got back from Ibiza and very much inspired by the sound that was going on during that summer and I was out with friends at the time, one evening, and I'm the kind of weirdo that can, I don't have to be in the studio to be in the studio. Yeah. I can, I have logic, I use logic, I have it implanted in my head, that arrangement wow. window, and no sounds, and I can start piecing together things in my head. And I was out with friends at the time, and I had this crazy idea for how fast car could sound. Mm. And now this was this was not something that I was planning on doing or anything. It was just always at the back of my mind for something that, oh, you know, it would be great to do it at some point. Yeah. And I was out with friends at the time and had this crazy idea for how my version could sound. And I remember hearing like the verses in the breakdown and then you'd have this kind of really euphoric, epic moment where there would be no vocals, but it would be this kind of synth line, which is what you hear in the record where it's da 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 And I went back to the studio that evening with all these kind of ideas in my head, pretty much got the instrumental done within one evening, okay. which, is, which is very, very odd for me. But I think it was just those years of wanting to do it and just that <laughs> kind of light bulb moment. Got back to the studio that evening laid the instrumental down and I sent it to my manager the next day and I said, this feels really special. Like this, mm. like I had a feeling which I'd never had from any of my other records before. And it was, and that sounds really cliche and really corny, but I had like the butterflies. Mm. You know, like when you meet a new girl or something like that. Absolutely. And I just had, I remember having that feeling. I was like, I've not had that for, I've not had that feeling from one of my records in a very long time. Mm. And that's when I knew it was special. And the problem was with that record was trying to find the right vocalist. Because one thing that I did with that record, which probably not a lot of people realise, is I kept it in the original key. Mm. Um, now, I don't think a lot of people know, but that that's where the emotion lies. That key with the way she sings is where the emotion lies. As soon as you change key, it's all out the window it sounds com it's a completely different song wow um so i knew that i had to find a singer who could sing it in the original key and about a week later i was with a friend and we went to a, a pub in east london which is kind of no I, again it was just had this instrumental fast car cool whatever yeah just put it on the hard drive and didn't really focus on it in the kind of back of my mind i do need to find a vocalist for that but yeah i'm not gonna force it Went to this pub with my friend to have a beer and heard this voice coming from the basement. This this uh, pub is kind of known for breaking acoustic acts and there's performers there. Um, and 
heard this voice and again my mind kind of going into its subconscious I was imagining this vocalist on fast car because I could hear her range and how low she could sing I was like ah oh, that's the vocalist for fast car yeah and I went downstairs and it was this girl Dakota who I'd never met before um, and I went up to her at the end of her set and I basically said I've got this version of fast car um, it's a dance version um, so and she's she's like this bluesy jazzy act Ooh. yeah and you don't go up to someone like that and say I've, I've made <laughs> I've made a, a house version of a uh, fast car that's the, that's the worst thing you could probably do but she was um, at first very kind of hesitant about doing it but I was <laughs> like look please please would you record it? I know you'd be perfect for it she was like oh you know I'm not sure I've never done dance music before mm. I was like please please just try it out <laughs> she was like okay cool when do you need it but I was like yesterday like because i just knew that she was the voice i was like i don't want to wait i just want to get her in the next day she came into the studio wow and what you hear on the record is that whole experience of me meeting her the night before recording her the next day and then putting the record out there wow that's brilliant and that's how fast brilliant. car came about <laughs> i love it i love it i love it but the Such great thing with that record is that nothing was forced that's that's why it's so special is because everything happened naturally i didn't like I didn't go out my way to get it signed. Yeah. Um, I didn't go out my way to, to find a vocalist for it. Yeah. It just came to me. Mm. Um, and sometimes I think that's that's how the best things happen. Same with Perfect Strangers, you know. It just happened. Yeah. I didn't force it. Perfect Strangers, what what inspired that? Um, <laughs> uh, it, it actually came about because as soon as Fast Car blew up in a very big way, I then became this touring DJ. Luckily, I'd been DJing all the years beforehand, so yeah. I had a background in DJing, so I wasn't kind of lumbered, as we would say in the UK. Um, but the 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 lifestyle that I've now been put into, I never knew was going to happen. It's it's madness. So I'm just going to rearrange my headphones. But it's a very very crazy lifestyle. Yeah. Um, and I'm very lucky that the previous years had set me up for it. Um, but yeah, I was on the road touring with fast car the only song under my belt yeah and um everyone was messaging me saying where's your next one i was like oh no <laughs> isn't fast car good enough for the rest of my life no i was like yeah. <laughs> i was like cool we need some more music so after three months being on the road i went back to the studio not really sure on where i was gonna go in terms of direction and then like I said to you earlier, I'm someone who gets bored. So it would have been very easy for me to just replicate Fast Car. Mm -hmm. But I didn't. Um, I wanted to do something which was slightly different. Still had my stamp on it, but slightly different. The first thing I came up with when I came back to the studio was the cool progression mm -hmm. for Perfect Strangers. So I, I just went on to... Um, um, just went on to the piano. Um, I think I actually loaded up a marimba sound. And the first thing I had was the bum, 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 bum. Da, 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 yep. I was like, feels good. And I had it as an instrumental for a long time. And I I sent the demo in, just instrumental to the record label, and they said they didn't like it. Oh. Yeah, they said they, they, they thought the drop was too hard mm. and it doesn't match what I do. So I don't care. Like, this is... This is this is this is big. 
Yeah. Like, I feel it. Yeah. And it's the fact that it doesn't sound like the last one is good. I don't want it to sound like the last one. And I just knew it felt right. The music that I was playing in my sets, it just, it worked and it's, it stuck out. It sounded different. And um, we ran with it. We, I, in terms of the actual song now that yeah. came on top of it, I was always a fan of JP. JP had been on the scene for a while. Massive fan of him. He's got the most incredible voice. And um, he somehow got hold of my instrumental through, I don't know through who, but he managed to get my instrumental, very rough instrumental at the time. And I was in Ireland at the time and I was doing a gig and I got something come through on email from JP. He's like, dude, got got your instrumental, Mm. written a hook to it. I was like wasn't kind of putting you with that instrumental but yeah let's 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 have a listen i remember putting the headphones on i was like oh my god <laughs> this is serious and i was like dude when when i get back in a couple of days time let's finish this off let's let's write it so i got back to london he's from manchester mm. so i'm from london he's from manchester we jumped on a facetime and um we i think within a day we finished off Perfect Strangers. Wow. Yeah, and about a week later, I had it all finished. Amazing. That's how that one came about. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it's like a, a flow, right? Like you, you get f- into a flow yeah, in a certain but sense. I think as you can, one thing that I learned kind of previous to this, a lot of my stuff that I'd done previous to Jonas Blue, I forced it. Mm. And I think that's where it became very kind of um, rigid and non-special to me. Yeah. Maybe people wouldn't have noticed the difference, but I do. Um and all of the all all of my Jonas Blue records have all happened in a very natural way. They've never been forced. Maybe it's like the record labels label saying they need the next one, yeah. but it's like they don't know where I'm gonna go. They don't know who I'm gonna get on it. it. And I let those things happen very naturally. Yeah. So it's cool. Absolutely. So what's the story behind Jonas Blue? Uh, yeah, and it sounds like it's a it was a transition. Yeah. I was um, so I've been doing this for a long time. As I mentioned, <laughs> I've been doing it since I was 11 years old. I'm 27 now. And when I made Fast Car, I was working on TV adverts at the time for like Dove and Bailey's <laughs> and stuff like that. And Fast Car was very different to all of the stuff I had yeah. made previously. It was a completely different sound. It was a different vibe. It had a different energy. And I just knew that I couldn't have it under my name it just didn't feel right. It needed something fresh. It needed to be branded as something new. I wanted, you know, I wanted something that people could follow from the start. And, yeah. Do you know what I mean? So, um, I, at the time I was playing a lot of house music from like Scandinavia mm-hmm. and that sound was very kind of the way it sounds is, it's almost a mixture between kind of Middle Eastern and Scandinavian yeah. in some weird way. I think it's kind of a lot of the synth sounds and, and stuff like that so i knew that i wanted to like have a swedish name yeah even though i'm not <laughs> anything uh, you know i'm not yeah. swedish at all um i knew that i kind of wanted to create this moniker where it was, it was kind of very um fresh so i went for something very swedish and i had the name jonas the most swedish name you can get and then a friend of mine was like why don't you do a spin-off of calvin klein so you could have like jonas klein Mm. yeah i wasn't like sold on it i was like oh it doesn't feel right 
few weeks before we we were kind of <laughs> pondering on names i had shot a music video for one of my other songs and the lead actress in it her name was tuesday i was like that was her real name as well wow. so i was like tuesday that could be quite interesting maybe it could be like jonas monday <laughs> jonas tuesday and that didn't quite work either I remember I was going to work, the bar that I was playing in at that time in, in the city of London, I was getting the train to work. And again, just being being a weirdo, kind of going through these thoughts in my mind, I was like, oh, I need to come up with that name. So what could what could the name be? And I was thinking, what about if it was a colour? Rather than a date, what if it was a colour? So I was going through like Jonas Green, Jonas Orange. I went Jonas Blue. Oh, Jonas Blue. That's the one. I remember calling up my friend. I was like, dude, got the name. He was like, what is it? I was like, it's Jonas Blue. He was like, cool. Yeah, sounds great. And that was it. That's <laughs> <laughs> good. Yeah. And like it, it. Just, it just kind of stuck. I think there's someone. All right. Well, just a couple more questions before we wrap up here. First question is, is what's been your biggest challenge as an artist? I'd say there's two challenges with, with uh, being the kind of artist that I am now which is one being because um, you I've had I've been very fortunate that I've had a few hits now mm-hmm. which is great yeah but it's about carrying that on and and having more so there's a lot of pressure with yeah. that I try not let it get to me because I just kind of you know I just make sure that I have that same feeling when I made fast car make sure I find them butterflies and they happen when the track's finished if it doesn't I scrap the track it's yeah. not for me. Um, so I make sure I look for that. And yeah, that that's just, that's probably the first thing is, is the pressure of being able to follow up mm-hmm. and have that, you know, keep having that momentum. The second thing is this lifestyle. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. You know, I, you jump definitely during the summer as well. Yeah. I think we did it last year where, I was in one country at the start of the day, then flew to Ibiza, then flew back, and then the next day I was off somewhere else. Insane. So it's like you have to be, you know, and I don't I don't drink or anything with these, you know, I'm not that kind of person. Mm. You know, I have like a drink with my friends or whatever, but it's like you're there to do a job. Yeah. And you gotta treat it seriously. So staying focused and um you know, not getting too wrapped up in that lifestyle because it's easy to fall for it, for yeah. sure. So it's just about, you know, keeping the focus with that side of things and enjoying the traveling and the gigs and take it easy. And then, you know, making sure you're feeling refreshed and you you have the ideas and you're feeling hungry. Keep making music. So that, those are probably the biggest challenges. Absolutely. Beautiful. Beautiful. Uh, one last question I'd love to ask all my guests is what does the phrase live inspiration mean to you? Oh, I mean, so much. I mean, I'm going to start off with kind of being alive in this day and age and being inspired for me, you know, especially with, you know, New York, just walking around the streets, how inspired I am. You know, the ideas, everything's an idea. You know, walking around this city, everything's an idea. Um, and just, you know, being grateful that you've been able to live and just being, you know, I, I, I did like a half an hour walk back from a restaurant last night. And I was oh, just wow. walking around. It was late night just in New York and I was just thinking, 
you know, to be alive and to be inspired in, in this day and age and to be able to do what I do. Absolutely. So, yeah, that for me is what it means. Absolutely. Love that. Well, thanks for coming on the show. No worries. Thank you, Where man. can people follow you in, on online, on, on social and sure. all that? Sure, yeah. I mean, um, on Twitter, it's Jonas Blue. Instagram, mm-hmm. Jonas Blue. Snapchat, Jonas Blue Music. And Facebook, Jonas Blue Music. There it is. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. guys so much for listening to today's episode of neon radio with dj and record producer jonas blue i'm your host nick onkin and if you enjoyed today's episode i would love it you could help us out by going to itunes subscribing and leaving us a good review so we can help spread the word and get more people creatively inspired also if you haven't done so join the neon life community over at neonlife.com community and connect with other creatives, share your thoughts, ideas, and start some collaborations. Also, love to see where you're listening to the episode. So post this up on Instagram. My handle is at Nick Onkin, and you can tag Neon Life as well, N-I-O-N-L-I-F-E. We will be linking all the show notes and links at neonlife.com slash EP120. We'll also post up the photo shoot that we did here in New York City. So with that, you know what time it is. It's time to go out and create your life by creating every small moment. And we'll see you next time. Mm -hmm.